One of the things that has happened in the pandemic that I hope uh, doesn't go away is that the folks who are watching online, and, and you probably know this if, if you spent any time watching online during the pandemic, will write in their prayer requests. And so Kathy, if you wonder what she's doing back there, she's not playing solitaire. Uh, she is monitoring our Facebook page and uh, attending to the conversation on there. And so people send in uh, their uh, prayer requests, and then Kathy writes them down and hands them to me. And it's a way that uh, before we had anybody in this room and there were just a handful of us here, we were able to try to still ca- stay connected to everyone. And so I want us, I hope that that's something that continues to happen because I have a feeling for a long time there will be an online uh, portion of our congregation. And so I think it's going to be important for us to continue to do some of the things that help the folks who are at home uh, stay connected to what's happening here in this room. So if you would, would you pray with me this morning for these specific prayer requests as well? Lord, we uh, come here today with so many things in our hearts and minds, so many things that we're concerned about, so many things that have caused us stress, so many things we're worrying about, so many things that we're even excited about. And we know, God, that you are so big that you fill every crack in our lives with your love. And so as we lift up our prayer concerns of the community to you this morning, God, we pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. We lift up Janice and Levi to you, God, and the family of Dan Nimrod, Jachin and Mariah Ford, Jennifer Watkins and family, Angie Herford and her family. Lord, we pray for Linda, Tammy, and Daniel. We pray for all who are suffering with loss during this difficult time. And Lord, I specifically want to pray for this congregation as we await the news of who uh, the new pastor at this church will be, that you would Help us to be prepared for that person and their family, if they have one. And Lord, that they would be being prepared for these people. And I ask God that you would continue surrounding my family with with your spirit so that we could have faith and trust in what is unseen. It's in Jesus' name that we pray all of these things. Amen. The passage of scripture that I will be preaching from this morning and that we will watch a reflection from that I think, Sedona, you read the reflection, right? So it's coming if you want to plug your ears and close your eyes because I know most people do not like seeing themselves on camera, but you look great and you sounded great. I saw earlier, so you have nothing to be embarrassed about. But this is Matthew uh, chapter 14, I mean, sorry, chapter 13. And it's just a real short passage. It's verses 44 through 46. Short passage, but with lots and lots to think about within it. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that somebody hid in a field, which someone else found and covered up. Full of joy, the finder sold everything and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven 
is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. He found one very precious pearl. He went and sold all that he owned and bought it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's watch this reflection. When we get really, really excited about something, we will often drop what we are doing in order to focus on it. We will even make sacrifices just so we can be a part of wonderful good things. Remember how Jesus called his disciples? Many of his disciples were fishermen, but when Jesus called them, they dropped their nets and began a new life. This still happens today. During the American Civil Rights Movement of the 1960s, a group of people became passionate and angry about the racism in southern states. They dropped what they were doing, left all their plans behind, and rode in buses together to fight for justice. They were called the Freedom Riders, and they weren't the only ones. There have been movements like this all over the world. In South Africa, people struggled for nearly 50 years against a racist system called apartheid. Today, in Hong Kong, people organize to fight for their human rights. In Russia, people work against the oppression of the LGBTQ plus community. Passionate people let go of their plans and head out for a part of something bigger. In this parable, Jesus tells the story of a merchant who is looking for fine pearls, ends up finding one beautiful value pearl, and sells everything he has to buy it. Now he has nothing except for one big, beautiful pearl. He isn't even a merchant anymore. He has become the guy with the big pearl. <laughs> now what? Sometimes the kingdom of God feels like this kind of adventure. We don't know exactly what we are getting ourselves into, but we know the mysterious adventure is worth trading in our treasures. The disciples and the Freedom Riders did not know how their stories would end. They may have been afraid to try something new, but they took the risk. It may feel silly or even irresponsible to sell and give up what you have to go on adventures like this, but it can be exciting and freeing. When we decide to build a life on invisible treasures, we do not have to stress about our old treasures. So we may still have precious possessions, but they do not compare with the new way to live that comes with this adventure. Thanks, Sedona. I told you it was good. I really, I really did like that reflection. The idea of giving up everything to get the more valuable thing. That's what I want us to focus on this morning, all right, Doug? Did you know you're in the splash zone? All right, just making sure. You, I think it became clear pretty early on that people should know that's, that's an unsafe place to sit if you don't want attention drawn to you. I, as, as I read these parables, I was thinking about two main things. Really, just two ideas kept coming back into my head all last week as I was thinking about these parables and preparing for today, and then all this last week as I was uh, reconsidering it all. The first is this, that I think that the, go- the, the gospel of the kingdom of God is uncomfortable before it's comfortable. Right, like we, we have this idea that, and, and, I, and, and I believe it wholeheartedly, and I've said it since the very first day I ever preached at this church, that God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't do anything to cause God to love you more. You can't do anything to cause God to love you less. Right, like I believe that with every single fiber of my being. And that's a comforting feeling, but... 
to live into the gospel fully so that we can experience the most of the kingdom of God as we can here on earth means that we have to be uncomfortable. It means that we have to be willing to recognize that our priorities may be misaligned and we need to realign them. It may mean that we recognize we get disoriented and forget what the most important things in life are and we start to chase after other things. And that should cause us to feel some discomfort. It's like being in the desert, so to speak. We recognize we're there, and then we have to take steps to move ourselves out of the desert and into the oasis. So, what in your life is leading you to such a place of comfort that to lose it and gain the kingdom is difficult for you? What, what is it that you are hesitant to let go of in your life that if you just could let go of it, you might experience more of the kingdom of God around you? In early December, I got a phone call from a, an acquaintance of mine in southeastern New Mexico. And... Uh, when, when I answered his call, he said, hey, are you ready to come home? And I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And he said that the pastor of the church that he goes to uh, was on a medical leave of absence and was not going to be returning to their church, and he wanted to know if he could start trying to leverage the system to get my family and I to move to my hometown so that I could be the pastor of the church there. And I said, I'm not allowed to have this conversation. Like, this is breaking every rule in the book of Methodist way of doing this stuff. And so I called my supervisor and said, hey, this just happened. Michelle told me last week that she feels like during that period of time, God started preparing her for a change. And then about close to a month ago now, I got a text message one day asking me to be at a meeting that evening in which I was offered a church in northern New Mexico and, or asked to consider it. I wasn't offered a church. I was asked to consider whether my family and I would be, um, willing to move there and we weren't. And the Spirit of God started to work in our lives. And cause us to be very uncomfortable. At least me. I'll speak for myself. I won't speak for Elise and Emery and Michelle. And this parable, I think, gets at what I was experiencing. Because I am comfortable here. Man, I love Las Cruces. I like cheering for the Aggies. I like cheering against the Lobos. I like cheering against UTEP even more, Stuart. And I remember that since I've been here, the Aggies have made some really good runs in basketball. They won a bowl game in football. I mean, maybe it's coincidence, Guillermo, but it seems like 
they might need me. And my family is here, and we've made deep, deep, deep relationships with people. I've experienced things with you all and because of you all that I never, ever would have imagined experiencing. But God doesn't call us to comfort. God calls us to obedience. God doesn't call us to do the easy things. God calls us to do the right things. So when you find a treasure in a field that feels like this is the kingdom of God for me to take this step, you give up everything that causes you to be comfortable to get that treasure. Jesus said another place that if we will seek first the kingdom of God, that all the other things cease to matter. He, he said it, all these other things will be added unto you. And unfortunately, preachers have taken that to say, hey, Doug, if you'll just give everything you've got up, then, then you'll be rich. Like all the other things will be added unto you. And that's not the case. The case is that our souls will be enriched. The things that are, because, are our highest priorities will be enriched, that should be our highest priorities, right? And so we're not called to be comfortable, and that's one of the things these parables say to me is, Ross, you have always, always, always said to yourself, don't live in a comfort zone. Be willing to step out, not for your own glory, but for the sake of the kingdom, so that you can see more of it. Because there's nothing that I'm addicted to more than seeing inbreakings of the kingdom of God around me. I can't get enough of it. And that leads to the second thing, is that for us to live into the kingdom the way that Jesus is talking about in these parables, we have to be dissatisfied with the things of the world. Right? Like, no amount of Super Bowl rings will ever satisfy somebody's soul. No amount of NCAA tournament wins will satisfy someone's soul. No amount of job promotions will satisfy your soul. No amount of more friends will satisfy your soul. No, no more prestige will satisfy your soul. And at, at the fiber of our being, we are walking souls. And when we can have our souls to be satisfied, then we have found something valuable. But what ends up happening is we, we start to think that our comfort is the most valuable thing. We start to think that maybe our success is the most valuable thing. When the reality is, following in the way of Jesus that allows the entire world to experience love and peace and justice and hope and grace and equality is the way forward. Once again this week, we got to be witness through the news to an incredible racist tragedy. And the perpetrator of the crime is trying to blame it on something else. But it was a racist act 
committed against women who probably had been abused in lots of different ways in their places of work. And it's our job to give up all of our comforts to help those who are in need, those who are most oppressed, those who are most most vulnerable. Again, it was an act of violence committed with a weapon that was intended to kill people. The man who is about to be my new district superintendent this summer, I said to him one time after one of the school shootings that we've all lamented over, when is enough going to be enough? When is God going to do something? And he said, wait a second. You're, you're asking the question the wrong way. I think God is saying, when is enough enough? When are you going to do something? The onus is on us. And as the prophet Jason Isbell says, our creature comforts are not the only thing worth fighting for. My sisters and brothers, I hope that we can hear these words of Jesus and that they make us uncomfortable. I hope that we can hear these words of Jesus and that they will remind us that we have got to become dissatisfied with the things of the world in order to give up all of them so that we can get a small piece of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that somebody hid in a field which someone else found and covered up. Full of joy, the finder sold everything and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one very precious pearl, he went and sold all that he owned and bought it. Your lives and my life are meant to be lived in service to the kingdom of God. I knew a guy for a while in my life. It was actually here in Las Cruces, and he was an associate pastor at a church here. And the story was that he had been a really good baseball player at NMSU, and that he got drafted and was playing in the Milwaukee Brewers system, and um, th- and that he gave it all up to work in ministry. And and I was like, that seems kind of crazy. Like he could have played his baseball career out, Doug, and then, like, gone into ministry, right? Like, and I heard him talk about it one time in a sermon that he preached. He had just signed a big league contract and was about to go play in the big leagues for the Milwaukee Brewers and felt himself being called to move to Spain and work as a missionary. And so he retired from baseball and moved to Spain and worked as a missionary. And I will never, ever, ever forget the words that he said. God will not call you to give up something that won't be replaced with something better. 
the better may not be bigger. It may not be fancier. It may not be more prestigious. But what will be replaced is what, what you will find in your obedience to the call that God places on our lives is a fullness of life. So when my family and I sat down last week to consider a move to Albuquerque this time, I started thinking about what's it mean to be obedient? What's it mean to recognize a call? How can I sense that I'm being led to something? Because it wasn't like Bishop Bledsoe himself called me and said, Hey Ross, I'm not asking you, I'm telling you this is an actual transfer. It was an offer for me and my family to consider. And we considered it with our whole hearts and prayed and thought and cried and walked and talked and prayed and thought and cried. And in the process, I realized that God was saying to me, put actions to your words. Put rubber on the ground. Stop talking and start doing. Because I've said to you all for four years, every time the Spirit of God asks you to do something, you should say yes. And so, I hope there's a great big pearl in Albuquerque that I find. I hope I get to experience a bigger version of the kingdom of God than I've imagined ever existed. And I hope you experience the exact same thing here. This isn't my farewell address, by the way. This is just me saying to you, our faith is big. It is so big. And I think sometimes we've turned it into like a belief system that happens in our heads when the reality is it happens with our hands and our feet and our hearts. It happens as freedom riders on a bus going to fight for racial equality. It happens when people stand around a vigil to pray for and recognize that Asian lives are being attacked right now in our country. It happens when people stand up for children who have to go to school afraid of the worst thing that any parent could ever imagine. It happens when we recognize that there are still children being kept in cages on our borders. It happens when we start to not just recognize those things, but do something about them. When we will sell our popularity for doing the right thing. When we will sell people liking us or disliking us just to do the right thing because we know in doing that, we get to experience a bigger version of the kingdom of God and other people can experience it just the same. That is our call. Not to be comfortable and not to have more and get satisfied with the easy life, but to work and move forward. And we do it all in the name of our creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen.